Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today's episode may be atmospheric. Yeah, there's uh, some occasional rumbles of thunder outside and those may get picked up by the mic. And of course, my dog doesn't like the thunder, so she may come over and join us at some point during the recording so you can look forward to possibly hearing those things as we're talking <laughs> so today i wanted to talk to you about the project that we have embarked upon and some of the things that are going into that um over on council of geek they uh, a wonderful video on LGBTQIA plus representation, and I shared it on Twitter with a very long personal story um, to go with it, which I have shared on the podcast on previous um, episodes. So I don't know how much of that I will get back into on this episode, but this is a topic that's really been high on my mind with all of the stories that I've been writing. You know, with the Mask of the Gods series, book one has a gay set of characters in it. It also has an asexual character in it. The second book has a non-binary character added to the mix. Um, and it I would like to say that these are things that I am doing intentionally because I want to, you know, boost my community and really double down on representation. And in some ways that we'll get to, I am, but that's not really the truth. I've been writing long enough that one of the things that I have learned is writing queer characters, whether they're genderqueer or of a queer sexuality, is not always the best decision to make if you want to make money. And this is why I always have a problem with the idea of, you know, blindly accepting the idea that the market will prevail. Now, I'm not saying that I am such a brilliant and good writer that I deserve much more success than I've gotten, but I do know from events and stuff that I go to that my earlier work that did not have openly queer characters in it, I was involved in the writing track, I was involved a lot more in the convention after... I began writing about queer characters. I was on the diversity panels and not allowed to sell my books at the writing, you know, in the writer section and everything. So I, 
my my I don't want to get too into my experience with that because I don't think it's generalizable. There are a lot of things that go into that, including interactions I had with people involved in making, you know, and planning the events and whatnot. But, you know, I let's just say when it comes to mainstream fandom, I am fairly well versed in the issues of, you know, especially at a convention level, having queer representation and having a safe, welcoming environment for LGBTQIA people to attend and participate in these events. And, you know, as I'm working on this new story, there's a high likelihood that the main character is going to be a trans woman just because that's the character that's coming up in my mind. And that has a lot of reasons, not the least of which being, you know, me being who I am, you know, these are people that I know. These are people that I identify with, you know, I identify as a trans woman so, you know, I expect that to bleed into my writing at a certain point. And I have this dirty little thing that I really wanted to talk about. That's why I'm being so kind of hesitant here, because this is like airing my own dirty laundry. The moment I realized that the character that's been kind of stepping forward for the lead in the story might be a trans woman I started thinking about the possible impact that that could have on the popularity of the series and please don't think that that makes me a bad person because it doesn't this is a concern that crops up anytime you put any minority character front and center in a story I mean I have literally been stopped on the street because in my book Shine Like Thunder the main character has a Persian name. He has an Iranian name. And this woman who decided to stop me on the street to yell at me it was a cafe I used to write at a lot and she decided to stop me, pull me aside with a copy of my book in her hand that she bought at a book signing I did in town and tell me that I was a race trader and that if I wanted to be a popular, successful writer, I needed to write more white characters and that this just wouldn't do. And that has had a lingering impact on me. It hasn't stopped me from writing minority characters. I mean, the, you know, main characters in uh, the Mask of the God series, there, there are two white people that are main characters in the first book and a couple in the third in the second, you know, so it, it didn't stop me from doing that, but it has been something that I've unfortunately had my attention drawn to on numerous occasions, you know, through events that I've done. And I know the market. If I want to give this series the best chance for success, it really does 
need to be helmed by a white, cisgendered male protagonist. Because for some reason, that is what people expect in a space opera. And I say for some reason, it's because almost all of them are helmed by white, heterosexual, cisgendered characters. And there is a bit of vanity that goes into writing. There's a bit of vanity that goes into any creative project that you're doing that you want it to, yes, be the best that it can be, but you want it to be viable and be able to be marketed to the most people so that it has a chance of being as successful as it can possibly be. And I don't think that I'm saying this to say that I've decided against it. I, I honestly haven't made a decision yet. There are three characters that are vying for the protagonist role, and it's possible that we'll end up with an ensemble cast between the three, just because I really like the idea of an ensemble cast. It's something that makes me happy, so that's probably what will end up happening. But, you know, and especially if you look back at my previous work, that's generally what I do anyway. But the fact that, you know, here I am, I have lived as a gay man for 40, you know, for 30 some years. I came out very, you know, depending on who we're talking about, what group I came out to. But a lot of people knew that I was gay minimally since I was 18. Um, yeah. It, it's insidious that I'm still having these issues. That here I am, you know, I know that I have a primarily female and queer audience. Just because I, I get to meet people at conventions and stuff that I do. Um, so, you know, I know my readers. And my readers generally like the types of characters that I write, and I've increasingly been writing stories with queer characters over the years. So it's not that I don't think that, you know, you all will like the story if it has those characters. It's just this knowledge back in the back of my head that knows if I really want it to be huge, it should have a cisgendered straight male character in the lead. And that upsets me so much. This is the side of marketing that we don't talk about. This is the part of the side of representation that we don't talk about. It is so rare to have a non-white male cisgendered character in the lead of a story, especially a space opera, that, you know, the default really holds sway over the genre and its potential for selling. That's a, that is so upsetting. That is so upsetting and frustrating. And uh, it just makes me want to scream. Like, it's so insidious. A part of how representation works that I find myself thinking that that's the way that it should be. And this is the side of representation that I don't see people talking about. Because, you know, it, it, it's the horrible side of representation. You know, when you're one of those people that are pushing this idea that, you know, diversity is important and that you're wanting to make that a cornerstone of your work, the very notion that you would have 
thoughts in your head about how that could potentially hamper the marketability of the text, of the finished text. That is such a terrible thing. That is such... I mean, it's soul-crushing. Like, it really upset me when those thoughts went through my head, and that's why I'm talking about it. Because if that happens to me, and for those of you who have met me, I am one of the queerest people you'll probably ever meet. You know, especially if you hear the story of my life. It's... it's uh, it, 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 yeah. But here I am, me, having those thoughts. Now, imagine what it's like for those cisgendered straight writers who are thinking about adding diversity to their fiction. No wonder when it appears, it's generally a bit part or a minor character. Because if I'm having those thoughts, and I know other writers that do as well, if we're having those thoughts, can you imagine the thought process for someone who isn't part of the community and who doesn't want those characters in the story so that they are writing a character closer to themselves? I mean, the pressure is just insane. And it Yes, it's upsetting, it's frustrating, it's all of those things. But it's one of those things that we just don't talk about. We talk about the lack of diversity. We talk about how we want to see ourselves more. We talk with pride when we write characters like ourselves into our fiction. Or we find a book or a movie or a TV series that has characters like us in a prominent role. And... I don't think we talk about enough how we can make it okay, make it acceptable, make it part of the, you know, remove from those thoughts of marketability that it would be dangerous in some way, that it would potentially hurt the property to have a non-straight, heterosexual, cisgendered character anywhere near the front of the line. And that's something that we need to learn how to do. And I wish I had solutions on that. I wish I did. You know, the basics are the basics. And there's things that we're already doing. We're hunting down those books. We're hunting down those movies. We're hunting down those TV shows. We're trying to show them as much support as we can so that, you know, our voices can be heard, can be seen. And this is something that... You know, when I look at the backlash, and that's something we're going to talk about after the break, the backlash that a lot of series have gotten over the years, it's because of the diversity that gets added to them. And that's another thing that hampers the industry from moving forward. And we're going to talk about that after the break. And we're back. Okay. So when I talk about the backlash, this is something that is easy to see in some cases, but it's not in others. And I, I hate oh, so much that I have to preface with what I'm about to say. If you did not like any of the things that I am talking about, I am not saying that you necessarily gave into the tropes that I am about to discuss. There are reasons to not like things that are not homophobic 
racist, sexist, or transphobic. There are. I'm just talking about my experience with having talked to people about certain media projects. Okay? So I'm not saying that you have to like everything that I'm about to talk about, and I'm not saying you're a bad person for not liking any of the things I'm about to talk about. Okay? I know saying that doesn't mean that the people that are going to feel that way are going to accept that from me, but I, I feel like I have to say that up front. But this experience that of backlash to me when I would go to fandom events, I really saw around things like Sensate. And we can talk about the Wachowskis and pe how people feel about them till the cows come home. And we really can. But some of the things that were brought up to me more than anything else when discussing Sensate, which, by the way, was the show that I absolutely loved it. It should have gotten all the seasons, all the seasons. And though created and directed by beautiful trans women, it was written by a cisgendered heterosexual white male. It was written by J. Michael Straczynski, for the most part, who is a great writer in and of himself. But that's, again, a topic for another day. Um, the thing that I heard most in talking to people was the fact that the show had a lot of sexuality to it. And that people felt uncomfortable with it. And when you would ask them what it was that they felt uncomfortable about, it was the trans woman in a lesbian relationship. It was the gender fluidity and sexual fluidity of some of the sex scenes when the sensates would kind of be body swapping because they would be, you know, having sex at the same time with different people. And the wonderful way that that was filmed and shot, and you would see men kissing men and women kissing women and trans people in various roles and dot, 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 dot. And it was amazing how many people, when talking about it, their discomfort came from a place of homophobia or transphobia. And I'm not saying that's true for everybody. Please do not think I'm generalizing. I'm talking about specific people that I had conversations with. Okay? And that's where I started to realize that this was going to be an issue. Because I'm expected, and again, I'm trying to keep this as, as small a circle as possible so people don't think that, you know, I'm going after them in particular, but I'm expected to watch any number of TV shows or movies or read books with heterosexual relationships in them, some of which with extremely graphic sex scenes in them, and to be okay with that. I'm not supposed to have any feels about that because, of course, that is the default. And... You know, there is this idea, I suppose, that if a sex scene is not in some way titillating, then it didn't work. I, I have a different rule, and it's primarily because 
having watched you know lived uh, lived in a world where cisgendered gendered heterosexual relationships are the norm in fiction if the sex scene or love scene doesn't do something for the story if it doesn't further something in the relationship or matter in some way to the narrative that's when i deem it gratuitous unnecessary and i have a problem with it because that's something that's not going to excite me it's not it's something that's not going to you know send me in a tizzy and so i developed a different metric for watching these movies it's kind of you know charlie's survival guide to cis heterosexual rom romances in fiction but because it is the default there is this assumption that if you are not turned on in some way by depictions of sex in a show, then it doesn't work. It's gratuitous. It's unnecessary. And so when others experience watching same-sex scenes or scenes with transgendered characters or bisexual scenes, heaven forfend... And they feel weird. They feel strange. Because they are afraid that they might be turned on by what they're seeing. First of all, there's nothing to worry about there. If you are, guess what? You might be bi. There are a lot of people that are. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually a really cool thing. If you're not, that's fine. Now you know how I feel when I watch most... Most movies that include a love scene in them. But that's alright. The, there is a fear of the other built in to the perception of these shows. That if you see a same-sex relationship and feel anything for the people in it, then does that mean that you're not straight? No. I've watched many a rom-com with, let's just be honest, I've watched many a Reese Witherspoon, Sandra Bullock, oh my goodness, Julia Roberts movie, and had all the feels in the world. I mean all the feels. There's so many feels, like, I can't even explain. And it's not because I'm attracted to Richard Gere in Pretty Woman, or I'm turned on by the idea of them doing the many things that they do to each other throughout the course of the movie. It's because I see the relationship between them and the way that it was filmed in a way that felt genuine. And it made me happy to see their relationship work because I'm okay with people who are different than me having a relationship I should, I feel like we shouldn't have to explain that to people, but I wonder if we actually do need to explain that to people. That it's okay to see people, to see relationships depicted that you would never be a part of and feel solidarity with them. That doesn't say that you are like them. That's a, such a weird thing to have to say, but it almost feels like it's something that we have to say to justify. And I hate that we feel, that at least I feel, that we need to try to justify our existence. You know, 
I'm, I was going to talk about this today. I'll probably talk about it tomorrow. We recently watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody. I really enjoyed the movie, but there was part of me. There was a part of me that was like, of course, this movie was very popular with straight audiences. Because not only is it Freddie Mercury, who is an icon, just because. I mean, brilliant singer, brilliant performer, gone too soon. All of that. But he fits the story that you can sell to a straight, white, cisgendered community so easily. He had a drug problem. He was having sex with everything under the sun. He contracted AIDS and he died from it. I mean, it hits the trifecta. All three. So, of course, that was a story that they could get into. And do you see how bitter that makes me sound? But I don't feel that bitter, but that's how my mind has started to work. And it's getting there because I look at some of the reactions to uh, so many different shows, be it Ray in Star Wars or Michael Burnham on Discovery. And it is so upsetting to me how much discussion I have with people about Star Trek Discovery that is more about their conscious or unconscious racism that they don't, or sexism, that they have a problem with a black female, especially one who doesn't, you know, live by their gender norms. She's not all girly. She's adopted a Vulcan demeanor, so that makes her stoic. Men are supposed to be stoic. Women are supposed to be overly emotional. And I, I, like, these are things that I've heard people say in talking about that show. That's, uh, it's so frustrating that here we are in 2019, and... Yes, there are many reasons not to like Star Trek Discovery. See most recent episode where I go into some of them. Um, where Monday's episode. But, oh my goodness. Not, not liking it because it has a strong black female lead character. Oh my goodness. And don't get me started when, when I hear people talk about Stamets. And some of these people are people that, you know, think that they're quite progressive on things. And they don't see these contours under the seams. But this is why representation matters. This is why it's important for us to push on anyway. Because whether you like or don't like Star Trek Discovery is a moot point. But if you don't like it because it has a strong, butch, black, female lead character, that's a problem. And it's a problem that they need to be confronted with. Now, there are a thousand other reasons not to like that show, and people raise those, and they're legitimate reasons Please don't think I'm saying that people only don't like Discovery because they're sexist or racist. I'm just saying, I've talked with some of those people, and they're frustrating. 
and it makes you think about how you are going to write race, gender, and sexuality in your own fiction, and how you're going to cope with those reactions when they inevitably pop up about your own work. And that's a really crappy place to be as a creative. It really is. Like, you know, I remember when The Chain was about to come out, and I had already written a whole bunch of just blanket responses for things that I knew people would say about the characters in that book. And the great thing was that book found a queer and a female audience that was willing to accept it for what it was. And that's great. That's wonderful. And I'm thankful for that. But the fact that I felt that part of my prep for the release of that book was to pre-write form letters that I could email back to people on various take, hot takes that they would have about the characters' gender and sexuality and dot dot dot. That just, that just shows the kind of world that we're living in. And so, what I hope you got out of this discussion is that while it's important for us to push for diversity in the fiction that we love, and it's important for us to support diversity in fiction that we love, and our representations of ourselves in those media, it is also important to understand what's going on inside the heads of the creatives that are making that as well. Because if, if someone like me, who talks about queer issues all the time, and who's fairly open about this, is having thoughts like that, I can only imagine what goes through the mind of a heterosexual, cisgendered person. So, as always, be compassionate, be caring. So... I don't know. I hope you found something interesting in this. If you have any stories that you'd like to share, I would love to hear them. If you like this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps out immensely. It helps out a lot. Um, tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people, and the more people that we have, the better discussions we can have. If you have a dollar you can throw my way, that would be wonderful. Uh, just go down to the show notes. You'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project at the $1, $5, $10 levels. That money helps me do things like buy this beautiful new microphone that I'm talking to you on that sounds so much better than the old microphone that was having all manner of issues. And buy the software that makes everything possible. And I want to say thank you to everybody who does in that way. If you don't have the money, don't feel guilty. Trust me, I understand. Money is tight for a lot of us right now. What you can do is, anytime you find somebody that you think would like the show, share it with them. That helps a lot, out a lot too. And, you know, think about participating a little bit more in the community, because I would love to get more opinions than just mine on the show. 
Speaking of which, if you have a question, comment, or topic you would like to hear discussed on the show, you can go to the Anchor app, which you can download either by going to anchor.fm or going to your app store and just downloading it, the follow Project Shadow on there, and you'll see a little button that says voice message. If you click that, you can leave up to a one-minute message for me. Like I said, be a question, a comment, or a topic you would like to hear discussed on the show. We used to get some of those, and I really like doing episodes based on them. So if you feel up to it, please do that. I miss that. I'd also like to really do more comment response episodes, because I think that would be fun. If you want to contact me, you can either go and follow me on Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on most things, by the way, so you can find me very easily. I've been thinking of doing more on Instagram. I just don't know what that's going to look like, but you can follow me at C.E. Dorset on Instagram. Or go to pre- go to uh, facebook.com slash group slash Project Shadow and join the group over there. Help get the conversation going, because I'm not very good at it. I'm trying. I'm trying. You can find links to all the social media accounts that I have, as well as all the places that you can find the podcast and all the stuff that I'm working on over at projectshadow.com. Until next time, be mindful, be compassionate, and don't forget, have the fun. Bye.